kombucha, kefir, sauerkraut, yogurt, kimchi, fire cider, wine, beer, mead, oh, and so many more. Are you ready to dive into the world of fermented foods, the history, and their gut healing power? I'm about to dive in, so listen up. Are you struggling to keep your head above water and brushing aside how you physically feel? You know you need to do something to feel better, but what? Nothing's working, and you're about to give up. I hear ya. I'm Jolene, a nutritional therapy practitioner, a wife, and a furry guardian. Like you, I let my work and everything else get in the way of health, often chasing skinny instead of health until I learned how the body works. Welcome to Holistic Health Made Simple, where I share all the tips, tricks, and science to set you free from the overwhelm of diet culture and frustration with the ever-changing health rules, going beyond the calorie and diet dogma to equip you to be healthy through simple changes to food, mindset, and lifestyle. If you're ready to stop spinning your wheels and learn how to feel better with changes that work for you, results that are undeniable like more energy, improved mood, better sleep, and fat loss, this is the podcast for you. Pop in those headphones, take a deep breath, and let's get healthy. Hey, hey there. When the topic of gut health comes up, it's often paired with suggestions of probiotics, sometimes prebiotics, and sometimes fermented foods. Well, today I want to tackle the world of ferments, why they are the powerhouse when it comes to gut health, and how to incorporate them into your diet. So let's start with the history of ferments. There is evidence of fermentation from as far back as 10,000 BC. It was primarily milk of camels, goats, sheep, and cattle, but the theory is that the fermentation happens spontaneously from the microflora that occurs naturally in the milk and then the warm climate and the casks that it was put in. It's believed that the first yogurts were produced in goat bags draped over the back of camels in the heat of North Africa. Other evidence points to back into 7,000 BC in China where residue in clay pots has revealed that people were making an alcoholic beverage from fermented rice, millet, grapes, and honey. And then starting around 5,000 BC, Sumerians and Egyptians produced many foods using fermentation such as bread, wine, and beer. They didn't have the knowledge to explain exactly how those products were made, nor why fermentation happened. Therefore, they commonly viewed fermentation as a miracle provided by their gods. Can you imagine a time where we can't get explanations at the click of a button? Like, they had no clue what was going on. Well, in ancient times, the fermentation had been used mainly as a tool for food preservation once they figured out what was going on. They would take the food, and put it in whatever vessel they had, and most of the time bury it to protect it from the elements and from animals. Little did they know that the microbes from the soil, the dark warm environment, and the fact that there was very little air created the perfect environment for fermentation. All they knew at the time was that it preserved the leftover food and sometimes a tasty elixir to drink. For centuries, all cultures incorporated some kind of fermented products, from dairy to vegetables, fruit, fish, and meats, to all sorts of alcoholic beverages. Ancient cultures might have found fermenting by accident, but quickly realized it made the food last longer in a time where food was not plentiful. In the 1600s, bacteria was discovered, and that's the catalyst for us to understand fermentation. That is when the science started to take shape and 
fermentation became the center of this early movement. It wasn't until the 1800s that people actually understood what was happening to make food ferment. At this time, though, fermentation was still being used solely to increase the holding and storage property of food. It wasn't until 1910 that the connection to fermented foods and health was made. Scientists have been studying the health benefits ever since. And as technology advances, they're finding more and more benefits, the pathways, and the organisms. The reactions in ferments lead to a probiotic bacteria and metabolites both of which are beneficial to our gut. So let's dive into some science. A 2005 study entitled Fermented Functional Foods Based on Probiotics and Their Biogenic Metabolites. The study concluded that the positive benefits from fermented foods happened in two ways. First, by directly ingesting microorganisms, bacteria, and yeast, that's known as your probiotics, from the fermented food adding to the diverse population in the gut, and secondly, by the metabolites, which are produced during the fermentation process. These are things like vitamins, peptides, acids, and fatty acids, which all contribute to our overall health. Another study from 2010 entitled Functional Microorganisms for the Functional Food Quality, it concluded pretty much the exact same thing that fermented foods affect the health of the gut through the probiotics produced as well as the metabolites. What was cool about this study is it concluded that by introducing fermented foods and utilizing them, it could improve food intolerances and allergies. The last study I'll touch on is from 2020. It's entitled Green Technological Fermentation for the Probicated Beverages for Health Advancement. And yes, that is a mouthful. Again, this paper came to the same conclusion that fermented foods can affect the gut microbiome in both the short and long term and should be considered an important element of the human diet through not only the microorganisms, but also the metabolites produced. If you want to check out the studies I've referenced, as always, they will be linked in the show notes. New studies are being published regularly and it's really hard to keep up. But what we see is fermented foods are truly superfoods, leading to my recommendations for choosing fermented foods over simply adding a probiotic supplement. This process is based on the studies mentioned. You see, ferments are powerhouses when it comes to your gut health. Probiotics in supplement form do not yet have the same data. Worst case scenario, they do nothing at all in a healthy individual. Now, if you've been on a round of antibiotics, Emerging research is showing that taking a probiotic in pill form may actually delay the repopulation of the gut. Now, you're probably thinking, then why does my doctor suggest it with and after a round of antibiotics? You see, modern medicine can take up to 60 years to catch up and implement any new science that's found. Unless you're fortunate to have a medical professional that keeps up with all the new studies, you're going to have to be your best advocate. Remember, I'm linking all the studies in the show notes. I will also include the antibiotics with probiotic one as well. My goal is to give you the information so you can be your best advocate. If you are finding this information useful and would like additional tips weekly, head on over to holistichealthmadesimple.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. So now we're going to go back to the ferments and incorporating them into our diet. We know that fermentation has been around pretty much forever. 
the accidental ferments have given way to modern fermentation, which is basically controlled decay. Hello, kitchen science experiment. So let's now learn and dive into how to ferment. Oh wait, I get it. I know, you're thinking, I barely have time to actually cook. Now you want me to be a kitchen scientist? Let's rewind a little bit. You can find perfectly healthy fermented foods in the grocery store. So let's dive into the different ones and how to pick out the best quality for you. First thing to up is that all fermented food items will be in a cold section. If you find it elsewhere, just walk away from it. There's two reasons for this. Cold will stop the fermentation process. And secondly, it keeps all the good stuff alive and available for your body. So when you store it, keep it in the refrigerator at home. Now, if you're packing your lunch and it's gonna get to room temperature or it's gonna be out for a day, that's not a big deal. All it'll do is um, the fermentation might start up again. Just throw it back in the fridge when you can or eat it. Either way, no harm will come of it or to you. So now you might be wondering why I say avoid anything that is not in the cold section at the store. Store transports and all of that have known to go from rapid temperature changes from high heat to low heat. You want to keep it at somewhat of an even temperature so when it's fermented, it's fermented warm at the plant. And then they refrigerate it to slow down the fermenting process but keep everything alive. So just keep in mind that if it's truly fermented and it's truly going to have healthy um, bacteria in it, it will be cold. When looking for a kombucha, you want to look for ones that are low in sugar, especially added sugar. All the ingredients will have some kind of sugar in it because that's what the good bugs feed off of, and, but we don't want too much sugar in it because as I've discussed in other gut episodes, and I'll link those as well, that's what can cause an overgrowth of certain gut bugs that we don't want a lot of. There's one particular brand that I enjoy and it usually doesn't really have any sugar added. It uses all the sugars from the juices that is used to flavor it to ferment it. So look for something like that. And remember, you don't need to drink the entire bottle at one time. I often personally just take four ounces and dilute it in some plain sparkling water. It lightens the sweetness, gives me the probiotics, and kind of is a refreshing drink, especially in the summer. Purchasing yogurt, we know, we can find it in every store, but I want you to stick to full-fat Greek-style yogurt without any flavorings, and you might be going, well, then I ain't eating it because I don't like plain yogurt. I get you. If you can't stomach plain yogurt, put a serving in your blender with some berries to flavor it up. The commercial flavored ones either have a lot of added sugar or a bunch of additives, and for gut health, they just aren't so healthy. And then, did you know pickles? can be fermented, but not all of them. So it can be tricky to find fermented pickles. First, like I said, they'll be in the cold case and generally over by the deli as the fermented ones are more of a specialty item. The jar will say fermented on it. That is the key. You want to have one that says fermented. If it doesn't say fermented, it's not fermented. They're just pickled. There is a huge difference between pickling and fermenting and a lot of people get it confused, but you want it to actually say fermented. Next up, we're gonna look at purchasing sauerkraut. And again, this can be tricky because we grew up in the days of our moms buying sauerkraut in a can, throwing it in a pan and serving it to us with a hot dog. That's not the sauerkraut I'm talking about. Just like the pickles, the real sauerkraut that's fermented 
will be in the cold case over by the deli. It will say fermented on it. It will be in a pouch or a jar, and I've purchased it both ways. One isn't better than the other as long as it says fermented. There are several brands in the U.S. like Wild Brine, Bubby's, and Cleveland Kraut, and I'm sure there's a lot more. A lot of them are local and specialty, so check your store and always check by the deli section because it is a specialty item. And I know many of you like sauerkraut hot, but do not heat up the fermented sauerkraut or you'll kill the bacteria. And that is the whole reason why we're incorporating the sauerkraut in the first place. The last item that you should be able to find at a specialty store or a health food store is kimchi. Now, I'm from Southern California, so I can find it almost anywhere. But I know other places you might have a little trouble. But what kimchi is, is a Korean version of sauerkraut. It's spicy, it's um, different cabbages, garlic, and spices. But again, you want to keep it cold and eat it cold. And I've never seen kimchi that has not been fermented and kept cold. If you do, again, just like sauerkraut run, that's not the real deal. Another drink you might be able to find at the store is a water kefir or a milk kefir. Um, those are pretty much all fermented in some way, shape, or form. Again, look for the sugars, look for the flavorings, just like a yogurt or the kombucha. Um, you might also be able to find some fermented vegetables depending on the nationalities in the area you live on. I know being Italian, we have a lot of fermented veggies that were pickled, but they're also fermented depending on who's making them. So learn to figure out what are fermented and what aren't, but there's abundance out there and depending on the cultures that you have access to, you might find even more. Beets are another one that can be fermented. Um, so look for what you can find that you might enjoy. And then for someone wanting to start fermenting at home, I can't go into all detail in this episode because we'll be here for hours and hours. The easiest thing to start with is sauerkraut. But any vegetable can be fermented as well as most fruits. The ideas and flavor profiles are endless once you learn how to actually ferment. I suggest getting a good book on how to ferment because it can be scary. Understand what you're trying to achieve and then you can add the flavors to your liking. One of my personal favorite experiments was a lemon ginger sauerkraut. It was oh so good. But having a good book will tell you if it's spoiled, if you just scrape off the top layer, there, there's a lot of nuances to it. So you kind of have to learn that sometimes you might see a little mold on your sauerkraut and that doesn't mean the whole batch is tossed. It means you scrape off the top inches and throw that out and start out, like keep going. Um, but you have to learn that and having a good book will help you through that. Finding a good community. You can even reach out to me. I'll answer questions on that. I love I love being a home scientist, but I know it's not for everybody. The last point I want to make on fermented foods is when you're introducing them into your diet, start slow. You're introducing brand new bacteria into your gut and you don't want to cause any dysbiosis or introduce it too fast because if you're having some issues, you're rebalancing it and trying to get a healthy diversity. Having too much of one at once can cause a problem. For fermented veggies, like actual vegetables or sauerkraut, a tablespoon is good to start. And with like kombucha or water kefir, about a quarter cup is plenty to start. And actually that's good as a daily dose as well. You can add in more as your body gets used to it or if you crave more. Just pay attention to your body if you start getting that gurgly sound, you might have had too much. 
you can see with the fermented veggies, you're not just getting in those probiotic bacteria and yeasts. You're also getting in fiber and prebiotics. Fiber is a prebiotic. So your body needs to get used to all of this. So give it time. And then I always suggest rotating through and doing and introducing different ferments throughout your week. Don't stick to the same thing over and over again. Have a variety that you have a little every day. But you also could do a little sauerkraut, a little kombucha, a little yogurt every day as well. It doesn't matter, but have some variety so that you're introducing different strains because as things are fermented, the different strains of probiotics come from the item that's fermented. So we want to make sure that we're getting in a variety so we get the diversity in our gut. So remember, I'm going to reinforce this, variety is the key to a healthy gut. And on that note, my friends, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you got some nuggets to take on your health journey. Remember, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. No medical advice is being given. By listening to this podcast, you agree to the full disclaimer, which is linked in the show notes. If you found this podcast helpful, could you take 30 seconds and leave a review? Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps others discover my show. Once again, thank you for being part of my community. Until next time, have a blessed day.